Good morning, church. It is great to be with you this morning. And it's amazing to uh, kind of have everything going the way it's going. Um, having people in the building is amazing. I get to uh, see faces and communicate with faces and not just with the camera. I was a little bit stressed this morning as I'm coming up thinking, oh, I need to uh, be at this angle. I need to make sure that um, I make eye contact with the camera, but not make eye contact with people in the room. This is, this is great. I love it. Um, as, as Greg has already said, we're going to be looking at um, this, the, 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 the last part uh, of the series, but we've brought it a week uh, before, and John is going to be coming uh, next week, and this is in John 11. You can page there, you can scroll there. Um, we're going to get time to read it together later. Um, but for now, as we're thinking about it, and we're uh, kind of processing um, what we're going to be looking at, um, we're looking at Jesus' miracles, um, Jesus' signs, and um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Guagua. Now, Guagua, uh, I was there to spend time with uh, my grandparents. I love my grandparents. I love spending time with them. It's amazing. Um, and Guagua uh, is this small town in the eastern free state uh, that uh, most of the time, I think, where at least my grandparents are, doesn't have water. Um, and if, the, if, if a fly goes by too fast, you might even lose electricity. Uh, but if, you know, it, it, I love God when I believe that um, it's, it, it needs a Jesus-centered, Christ-centered, God-centered church. So if you feel like uh, maybe God is speaking to you about planting a church in God, God, come and talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Um, having spent this weekend with my grandparents, I'm now on my way back uh, to Joburg. And, uh, and as I'm coming back to Joburg, there are signs now saying Joburg. Now, imagine if you will, that in this moment when I see the sign that says Joburg, I now conclude, hey, you know what? I've now arrived in Joburg. Of course, that would be crazy, right? Like, it, that's a sign that says Joburg. I haven't arrived in Joburg. John Lennox, quoting C.S. Lewis, um, says this. He says, imagine you walk into the grounds of Oxford you see beautifully cut grass. You see nicely cut hedges. And, um, uh, you know, you, you, it's just beautiful grounds. And you think, or rather what you ought to think is, I wonder who did all of this. I wonder who's behind all of this beauty. And, of course, speaking about the universe, he then says, it would be crazy to look at this grand design, this great universe, and not ask the same question. Uh, and this morning, I'm saying it would be crazy to look at the book of John, to look at chapter 11, see this incredible sign that Jesus performs, and not ask who is behind this miracle, and only focus on the miracle itself. My friend Kaya um, puts it this way. He says, imagine, or rather maybe, children tend to do this. But when you say to a child, look there, what children tend to do is look at your hand, not where your hand is pointing them to. To look at the signs in the book of John, 
and to look at what Jesus does and conclude that that's all there is to it, we'd be looking at the hand and not what the hand is pointing us to. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to read John 11, and then we're going to look at the text together. Jesus, we are grateful to you. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for what you do. We're grateful that you give us life. We're grateful that you are Lord over life. We thank you that you are sovereign over life and death. Lord, we're grateful to you that you're our king and we worship you. Would you open our hearts this morning, Lord, that we might hear from you, that we might be shaped, directed, guided by you, but we pray that you would shape our hearts. In Jesus' name, and all the people in the room said, Amen. So, in verse 5, let's look at that together. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. This is a strange reaction. He stayed two days longer where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light in this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, He's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken, uh, had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. This is something to remember. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Why the sign? Well, because the destination is coming. The sign points us, guides us to the destination. So the sign, because the destination. Jesus calls us to faith. He calls us to faith. In verse 15, Jesus says, in response to his delay, he says, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Now, I would not recommend that when you're late, you give this kind of response. I don't think it'll be received the same way. Um, I, I just, it's just, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Christ is delayed in coming to the aid of this family and the death of his friends, this is so their love, it says, and their faith is strengthened. 
Why are you late? So that you may believe. Sometimes I'm late. Only sometimes. Please don't ask my colleagues. Sometimes I'm late. And, and someone said somewhere along the line, um, you know, the Brits have all the watches and the Africans have all the time. I don't know what they mean by that. Um, but when I read this text, I certainly felt, you know, a little bit more aligned to Jesus. <laughs> it seems Jesus does not mind these guys being uncomfortable. And when you look at this text, you see, and we know of funerals, that this is not, uh, this is not a jubilant, this is not an exciting, joyous time, this is um, a, a painful, this is a, 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 an energy-taking, draining time. This is hard, it's painful, it's mourning. But Jesus does not mind these guys being uncomfortable. If they're there, if they're with him, they might learn something. This is now his disciples, and they might learn it quickly. But also, the people he's going to, he doesn't seem to mind that they're uncomfortable. He doesn't seem to mind that this family, his friends, Mary and Martha, are uncomfortable. He, he seems to want to achieve something else. At times, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be in uncomfortable situations because Uncomfortable situations are exactly that. Uncomfortable. But Jesus did not prevent, didn't sway these guys from their discomfort. He didn't want to remove them from their pain. He allowed them to experience it. The aim and purpose seems to be bigger. Jesus allows his friends to be uncomfortable. Jesus allows his friends to stay in the tomb for days. Jesus um, allows his friend's body to begin to um, rot in, in the tomb on purpose. The purpose seems to be bigger. So, so then my question to you is this, is that if Jesus is okay to allow these guys to go through uncomfortable and in this situation, painful moments, for a bigger purpose, if you're going through a challenging time, if you're going through a painful time, Jesus doesn't cause it, but he permits it. My question to you is why? Why is he allowing you to go through this challenging time? Why is he allowing you to face this painful moment? What is, what is he wanting you to learn? What are you learning? In this time? What is he teaching you in this uncomfortable situation? Jesus also seems, uh, he also does not seem to uh, kind of worry about what everyone is thinking about the situation. Jesus is more intentional about, he's more focused on the lesson learned. Jesus is more focused on the the item being pointed to, not the situation. Uh, he's not focusing on the hand, but rather what it's pointing to. So uh, the funeral and its events at the time are not his biggest worry. His biggest worry is, what are you going to know about me beyond this moment? 
is focused on the destination, not necessarily around the circumstances that surround the sign. And lastly, in this area, both Mary and Martha in verse 21 and in verse 32, when they approach Jesus, they seem to have some recommendation of how Jesus should have done this. The, the words used are, if you were here earlier. Now, Jesus, you're awesome and all. You know, you, you heal people and stuff. That's great. Uh, you seem to kind of know your story. But here are a couple of pointers, some feedback for you. Like, next time, just be on time. And then we're not in this mess. There's no tears. You know, everyone is okay. Just a quick one while we're there. How often do we do this? I feel like I do this. I'm like, Jesus, I kind of know the resolve here. If I push this there, push that there, I think everything would be in place. I can't, you can. Please just come do it for me. Uh, let's just get this going. Let's, let's get the ball rolling. We do this very often, but Jesus seems to want to point them to this big thing that he's doing in this time. He seems to want to show them something much bigger. And so the word that Jesus uses there in verse 15 and 16 uh, is pisteo. Now, the, the intention behind this word in Greek is to think, to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit or place confidence in of the thing that you believe to credit and to have confidence in. Uh, so Jesus is literally saying, have confidence in me. He's, he's pointing to himself. The sign points back to Jesus. Jesus is not just saying, hey, you know, think boldly and bravely about this. He's, he's not kind of your hype squad. Jesus uh, is not directing their faith to kind of you know, your inner self, stronger than you think you can be. Jesus is aware that this is something they need from him. This is not something that they can create for themselves. This is not weight that they can kind of carry for themselves. This is something that he himself, a question that he himself needs to answer. And, and this is important because Jesus is not just raising someone from the dead. He has a reason, and that reason is that we may place our faith in him. And so, I think beyond this preach, beyond today, when you're thinking, how should I engage with this preach? When you're thinking, uh, how should I respond to this? Your, uh, my kind of encouragement to you is see what Jesus is saying and respond to that. And Jesus is saying, place your confidence, put your faith in me. Jesus himself is already making a case uh, for what is taking place. All of this is happening so that you might have a better, you might have a fuller, more well-rounded understanding of who I am and why I am here. When I say that, I want you to think about the cross. I want you to think about the picture that Jesus is painting here and what he's wanting to, us to understand about death and how he is relating to death. 
I have had moments I were of weeping and and struggle and looking at how Jesus relates to death or how Jesus responds to death, I think would be a moment um, or, or, or it would be something to look at in this text, something worth looking at in this text. I think it was about 2006, I lost my uncle and the family at the time is going through about a week, I think, of mourning. I loved my uncle. He is someone I, I lived with for quite some time, and I really look up to him. He's my role model. I enjoy being with him. And so hearing about the loss of my uncle felt unreal to me. I could not believe it. I just could not make sense of it. I couldn't connect with it. didn't feel true. It felt like it was just something that I, I couldn't quite reach out to. I hadn't had time to process it. It felt separate for me. It felt apart. But on the Saturday, as we were about to go to the burial site, the family gathered and I was called to come view, come see my uncle before we take him to his final resting place. In this moment, I had no time to gather myself. I had no time to think about how I should react. I had no time to gauge and adjust my volume. I fell apart. I broke down and I Weeping is messy. Weeping is ungathered. It's disorganized. In the dictionary, weeping is defined as to shed tears. And the example that they use is to the example they use is a grieving mother who wept over the body of her daughter. I can't imagine this to be an organized thing, a neat thing. When the Bible says Jesus wept, it's not talking Jesus was this incredible leader who had people who were looking at him and so he needed to do this in an orderly fashion. No, Jesus broke down. When Jesus comes face to face with death and loss of his friend, it doesn't seem to matter that he's going to raise him from the dead, which is what he set out to do. Earlier in the chapter, we see that he set out to raise him from the dead, but when he sees, when he comes face to face with the situation, it doesn't seem to matter that that's going to happen. Jesus weeps. Jesus weeps because this is still brokenness. It's still uh, not the preferred way of things. It is here that we see Jesus is pained by the things 
that are broken that bring us pain. Ultimately, it will be done away with through the cross. Yes, and we see that Martha kind of touches on this. She seems to know this. Um, in her response to Jesus, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day, but, but there's something about this moment that just engages differently, that reaches out to me in my pain differently. I don't know how many of you have lost a loved one, how many of you have lost a friend or a colleague, Recently, how many of you have lost a parent, mom, dad, brother, sister? What does Jesus have to say in response to this pain? Jesus responds to the bigger question of death with the cross. In this moment, when he faces the loss of his friend, he weeps. How would he respond to me weeping over my uncle? How would he respond to me losing just all kinds of control over my uncle who I love? He weeps. How does he respond to your loss of your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your colleague? Jesus weeps. Jesus' heart breaks over the brokenness that breaks our hearts. Jesus' heart breaks over pain and suffering. Jesus' heart breaks over disease and death. Jesus' heart Race. This is how Jesus responds to this brokenness. The moment when you think, how does a loving God respond to brokenness? How does a loving God respond to pain and suffering? How does a loving God respond to this kind of sorrow? This is how a loving God responds. He weeps. He weeps. But also Jesus responds. He responds by weeping, but he responds. I said he, answer, he answers the big question of death at the cross, but he responds in this moment as well. How does Jesus respond? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Why this sign? Because Jesus is the destination. Why this sign? Because Jesus says, Jesus says it and does it. Jesus doesn't just show us the sign. He points us to himself beyond the sign. Verse 17 to 27 says this. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went, to, uh, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would have not died. 
But even now, I know, um, uh, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus takes Martha from the end, the ultimate, and says, what you're looking for there is actually here. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming, or who is coming into the world. Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead. It isn't just to kind of, you know, make a show, but he's teaching something. He's showing us something. One of the things that Jesus is showing us is that he is Lord over death. Jesus shows us that he is Lord over death. Jesus rules over death. Death is submitted to his kingship. Jesus is sovereign over death. He takes control of death. This is not just uh, the sign, but the destination. Jesus comes back to this point that he made earlier um, and, and points back to himself. That you may think, that you may see to be true, that you may be persuaded that I, that you may credit, place confidence in me, I. Jesus points us to himself. I don't know how many of you have ever been at a point where you thought, I don't think that I'm going to live beyond this point. Your life is threatened held at gunpoint. You are afraid. You might have had cancer. At this point, it might keep coming back. You might have lost someone. Jesus is saying, I have power I have authority, I have rule, sovereignty over all of these things. They are all under my feet. But even more than that, Jesus has power, which is what he's pointing us to here, over death. Jesus is saying, beyond this life, there is life. Jesus is doing this sign so that you and I may know that he is Lord over death. Beyond this life, death has limitations, but the rule and lordship of Jesus does not. This is something to rejoice over. Jesus has power to raise you from the dead. Jesus has power to give you eternal life. Jesus achieves this at the cross to say, even if you're alive, we'll see this in a bit, even if you're alive, actually you were dead and I have risen you to life. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, showing his lordship over death. Ultimately, Jesus defeats death at the cross, pointing us to his lordship over death. 
and Jesus calls us to life. It's important that we know that Jesus was so deeply moved by death that he died to defeat it. Jesus was so deeply moved by death that he died to defeat it. In verse 38 to 44, we're coming into our last stretch. It says this, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who, who had died came out, this, uh, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. The reality and truth is that in this world, everything in this world, you and I will come to an end. Our lives will come to an end. But Jesus not only shows us his command and lordship over death, now when he raises his friend from the dead, uh, ultimately he himself defeats death. He does not just do it uh, for someone else, but he does it for himself as well. And he does it ultimately for you and I. Some of you, whether you're here in the hall or you're at home, might have, thought, or might have thought that when you die, that's it. But Jesus says, put your faith in me. Jesus says, roll the stone away. You might think, I don't deserve it. You might think, I'm a terrible person. But Jesus says, roll the stone away. I don't know where you've been you know, and Jesus knows, but Jesus still calls for the stone to be rolled away. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Some of you might be crippled by death, by fear of death and disease. Jesus calls you and says, unbind him. Jesus says, unbind him. It might not even be you, it might be someone... You know, it might be a friend, it might be a relative, it might be um, someone who's near you. Jesus calls you to life. Ultimately, the sign is there to point us to Jesus. Jesus points us to himself. Let's look at Ephesians 2 in closing. This is what Ephesians 2 says. says, and you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in the trespasses and, in the trespasses and sins. And Jesus shouted for you. Jesus shouted that you come out. In verse 2 it says, in which you once walked following the course 
of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So many of us face death with all questions and no answers. Jesus, through raising Lazarus from the dead, shows us that he has the answers. Jesus, through his death and resurrection at the cross, shows us that he has the answers. He calls us to himself. Do we want the answers that Jesus has? Do we want Jesus to be the answer? In verse 6 he says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches, uh, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you and I should walk in them. If you, if you are in this moment thinking, actually, I want, to, I want to engage more on this, I want to talk more about this, I want to ask more questions about this. At home, the media team will put um, information on the screen and you can um, contact us and ask the questions. If you're here, there'll be leaders um, at the tea area and you can have conversations and ask questions. For now, though, I'm going to pray for us and end. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you point us to life. Not just life on this earth, but life eternally. Thank you that you call us to yourself. Thank you that you show us that you're Lord over death. Thank you that you show us that you are sovereign over death. Thank you that you call us to see this in your word. Lord, we submit our hearts to you. We ask to be led by you. We ask to be shaped by you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.